0: Welcome to the Difference Makers Podcast, presented by Waterproof. I'm your host, Justin Tamani. In this podcast, you'll hear from some of the top coaches, brand managers, and athletes on Earth. From starting out to where they are now, we'll explore the journey of how they became a Difference Maker. Before we keep going, do us a favor, hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform to hear more from the Difference Makers. All right, we are live, guys. This is the Difference Makers podcast. I'm your host, Justin Tamani. Today, we have with us Jared Grabiel. Jared is an author, entrepreneur, leadership and business consultant. We got a laundry list of things. But He's also the founder of the Zalos Games, which is a really cool up-and-coming competition series in the CrossFit space. So we're going to talk lots about that. But Jared, thank you. Welcome to the show. I really appreciate you joining us.
1: Yeah, Justin, thanks for having me, man. It's good to be here.
0: So uh, let's let's start from the beginning because you got a laundry list of things. As a like, I don't even know where to start here. How did you get your start <laughs> with with everything like? author, entrepreneur, like you don't just stumble upon being an author.
1: Yeah. Uh, I guess like, so I would, I would say that I was an entrepreneur long before I was an author. Um, and it's kind of funny to say, you know, cause you, you put one book out and all of a sudden now you're like eternally an author. Uh, and prior to <laughs> Publishing a book technically, I guess you're not an author, even though like I had been blogging, you know, I guess I would have been a blogger back then, I don't know, yeah, but anyway, so uh I was an entrepreneur long before I officially became an author, and i I've, i guess entrepreneurship is just in my blood, I don't know, you know, I think the argument could be said uh whether or not like being an entrepreneur is like from nature or nurture uh I think it's probably a balance of both, but I just got it really early yeah. um. <clears throat> so I've had entrepreneurial tendencies as long as I can remember, maybe seven, eight years old. Exactly. Um, I, I think my earliest entrepreneurial venture I can remember, and this predates some of the stories that i actually get to tell because I remember this recently, um, in, in elementary school kids would pay me to to draw uh, pictures of them because I was really good at drawing <laughs> um, relative to, to seven and eight-year-olds, you know? Yeah. And so uh i did that and we were we were broke like we were poor growing up so mm-hmm. um <clears throat> and and like uh we were poor in relation to the poor kids in in my neighborhood you know so we were like the broke kids in the broke neighborhood and so like i would really always try to find ways to make money and yeah. so um so i've been an entrepreneur as long as i can remember to answer that question uh and then i be- officially became an author january of this year of 2021 okay. i published my book which is crazy how you do it and you just like forget about
0: it but but yeah Wait, plug the book real quick
1: yeah it's called the self-help book six practical ways to never stop growing and uh, i guess for context on that because i mean my thing justin is if you ask me an open-ended question about how did i become an entrepreneur or an author i'll talk for like six hours if you don't stop me so i'll just try to make my <laughs> stories very short but um The book, man, you know, when I was a kid, I read a lot. I still read a ton. And uh, I was a book nerd because if I wasn't reading, then I was getting in trouble. Um, And so teachers always just kept putting books in my hand. And so I read a quote from Benjamin Franklin when I was a kid. And I'll butcher it a little bit now because I don't remember it verbatim. But basically said, if if you want to be remembered, either do things worth writing about or write things worth reading. And so I'm not going to be the next red bull athlete that jumps out of a space capsule you know so i'm not doing anything that people will probably write about for the for eternity um so i figure i should probably start writing myself and uh that was a goal from when i was a kid uh, of, to publish a book unfortunately i wasn't a great like a uh, traditional writer like i did mediocre in english and literature throughout school so it was kind of discouraging mm-hmm. um but then you know instagram came out and uh I'm one of those long form posters on Instagram. Like <laughs> yeah. I don't really make many um short captions, like short witty captions, minor like stories. Yeah. And uh some people like that. And so I began to enjoy writing those type of posts and started blogging a couple years ago and then um started working on a book called Taming the Lion, which I haven't finished. I haven't even picked it up in like two years, but uh I worked on that book for like a year and got really discouraged because it's really challenging to write a book, especially if you don't have any feedback, like, yeah. um, nobody's reading it along the way to tell you whether or not it sucks. So you could get to the very end and have just one long sucky book. And so uh, I put it down for a little while, but I had written a blog called six ways to never stop growing. And cause that's, I'm a real pragmatic. So a lot of the stuff I write is like five things and seven, yeah. things, you know? And so, um, six ways to never stop growing. And it ended up being such a long blog, like way too long to post on my website. Um, it was like 10,000 words or something. And so I thought, man, I really left a lot out of this. I bet I could double down on this blog and publish it as my first book. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. So I spent the next year, um, taking the original blog and adding the stories and the context that I held out for the sake of making it short enough for a blog. And so I made it long enough for a book um and then decided the original blog title was a good subtitle and um that in its very nature it was a self-help book and the name wasn't taken so i just named it the self-help book uh
0: that wasn't taken
1: no i don't you know maybe the the alarming thing about the title not being taken is like does it suck and i just don't know it um or is it just so good that nobody's ever thought of it? And so I've yet to really find the answer to that. Uh, I just chose it anyways. And um, so yeah, so we, uh, uh, I began working with a publisher, publishing agency. Uh, it's like a hybrid publishing agency called Scribe. Um, they helped David Goggins publish uh, "Can't Hurt Me." Okay, and we we published the book. I think January nineteenth of this year officially. It's on Amazon. It's really anywhere online that you can buy books. But yeah, um, it's been really, really cool. Like, uh, I don't think too much about it because I'm very much one of those people that like does something cool and big, and then I just like move on to the next thing, um, which I'm I'm working on in myself. But so sometimes I'll get a message from someone like, "Oh, I read your book," and I'm like, "Oh yeah, I wrote <laughs> a book." <laughs> you know, like that's cool.
0: That's funny. Like that wasn't that long ago, but I know that feeling. And yeah, I mean, you know, that's the entrepreneurial mind.
1: I'd rather like to hold on to it, you know, Um, without hubris though, you know, like without being a guy that's like, Hey, I'm Jared. I wrote a book, you know, like who wants to hang out with that guy, but.
0: Oh, you don't uh, introduce yourself like that.
1: No, I did for like a (laughs) week and then people wouldn't talk to me anymore or invite me to parties and stuff. (laughs) Uh,
0: So then, you know, Okay, so you're doing that, and in the same year, you're launching Zalos Games. Like, this is all happening at the same time.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, to be honest, this year, uh, that may seem like a lot, but this year was a lot easier than last year, for example. Because uh, last year, I was actually like actually finishing the book and going through the publishing process. At the same time, I was... Um, going through an acquisition process of my, my company that I owned at the time. And yeah. so, and, co- you know, COVID happened last year. So last year was actually really crazy this year, like early January published a book, uh, mid early March sold my company. Um, so it was kind of like way easier in, in retrospect. Um, but yeah, so I, I sold a company that I used to own called super foods. It's a yeah. healthy subscription based meal prep company and in march and my goal basically was like to sign on the dotted line and hit the road like literally so i sold my my place and about 90 percent of my uh stuff and or just gave a lot of it away but um and then i packed my truck and grabbed my dog and did a cross-country road trip and um it was supposed to be like six months which ended up being like seven on and off um and the the goal there was like really just to decide on what I want to do next with my life, you know, after selling the company, um, potentially where do I want to live, what do I want to do career wise, and mm-hmm. uh, and so on the road I was just inspired, you know, because I'm I, I love CrossFit, like that's um, it, like a big part of my world. Fitness has always been like the majority of my world, and so uh, more specifically, the past three years it's been CrossFit, and so um, love it, and so I dropped into countless gems throughout the, my road trip and just really, um, I don't know, was inspired to create more opportunity. I think, um, we're at this place in the CrossFit world where there's a lot of, um, room for growth and yeah. the potential to grow fast is there. Um, and so I just saw this element, uh, missing or maybe a piece missing um, of like an online competition opportunity to create a little bit more, you know, I'm I'm not trying to use buzzwords for the sake of buzzwords, but create more equality in the sport in terms of opportunity uh, internationally, because we all know how, how difficult it can be to come to the games. Like if you're from Russia, you can't even come and and things like that. And so, um, so the Zalos games are sort of born out of a handful of abstract, thoughts and motivations around creating more opportunities for athletes and entertainment for fans. Um, And so we're at the very like foundational level of that. We, we had our online competition in October a couple months ago. We'll have some next year, which I'm sure we'll talk about. We launched the YouTube channel, repurposed a lot of the content, held a few live throwdowns. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of the, maybe the the long winded story (laughs) for how the Zaylos game started.
0: No, I, I want to talk about the road trip. That's that's where I that caught my attention. How did you even plan I mean, we'll come back to Zalos games, but how did you plan the road trip? But like what did you decide to, you know, how did you decide yeah. to like path it all out and cuz you were you're from Florida.
1: Yeah, I'm in I'm in Jacksonville Beach, Florida currently. I'm from Central Florida originally, Lakeland, Florida, so not far, but um yeah, so I'm a planner. Uh, like <laughs> Okay. It's in my, it's one of my giftings, I guess. And so I basically drew a map because I like to draw. So I drew a map of the country and then um, decided I would start at the bottom, right? So I went from Jack's Beach to Miami and uh, started basically from Miami and worked my way up. And I just drew a map based on like, and I had a couple alternatives and I had to decide on what to do, right? Do I go up the East Coast and cut across or do I go down and around or do I zigzag? So I... Drew, this sort of zigzag um, plan of going from like Miami, zigzagging through Georgia, North Carolina, up to like Chicago, and then all the way back down to Texas and then across to California. And um, in about a month into it, uh, I did the open, the second and third week of the open at Training Think Tank in Alpharetta, uh, Georgia. And I pretty much put the nail in the coffin on a labrum tear that I had been, like, avoiding slash nursing for probably years. Yeah. Uh, So, like, that dampened my original journey because I I just, like, dealt with it for a couple weeks and kept traveling, made my way through Nashville, through Kentucky, and then decided, like, when I got close to, like, Chicago, I'm like, my shoulders jacked up. I got to do something about this. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I drove back to Jacksonville and spent like two weeks with like meeting with doctors and stuff like that. Ended up getting stem cell. So I went back to Miami and got stem cell done. Um, okay. and then instead of going up to Chicago, like instead of redoing the journey, I mm-hmm. basically went back to Georgia, back to Nashville, spent some time in Cookville, uh, and then cut like a cross. So I went through, um, whatever you need to go through to get to Texas, hung out in (laughs) Dallas for a little while. Uh, Then went through Texas, like New Mexico, just a bunch of country um, to get to, where did I go after that? Uh, Phoenix, Arizona. And then went through from Phoenix, I think I just cut straight to uh, San Diego and hung out there for a little while, trained at Invictus, Really great training environment there. I mean, the weather in San Diego alone is just great. Um, they've got this track that they run at, like some of the Invictus crew that like overlook. It's like on a cliff. It's unreal. Um, hmm. I don't like to run, but I loved running at this track. You know, yeah. like you just see the ocean and the waves crashing against the cliffs. It's pretty poetic. But um, So went to San Diego. Then I went through to Vegas, I think, okay. after that spent some time in Vegas. Um, that's where I met Justin who uh, ended up being, you know, one of the catalysts to helping me build out the Zalos games. He helped me program a couple of the workouts, uh, Justin Kotler at underdogs athletics. Okay. Yeah. And then um, went from Vegas, like through Utah, which was really great. Loved driving through Utah and staying there. Like I stayed in a barn in the middle of nowhere. Uh, <laughs> sounds right awesome up. actually. Yeah. It was really cool. Like woke up to chickens. I like, There was, um, these springs that you could like sit in the water, you know, it was like hot Mm -hmm. springs. Yeah. Um, so sat there, read a book, you know, like, uh, real, uh, gypsy type of stuff.
0: The waterproof Pro Experience contains hundreds of training sessions that will boost your progress, whether you're a beginner or a pro. Start your seven-day free trial now and get access to all of our top-level training programs. Search the Wadproof app or click the link inside this episode description to find out more.
1: And then made my way through, oh, Denver, Boulder. Hung out in Boulder for a little while. Um, loved it up there in the mountains. And then eventually made my way to Madison, which
0: is uh, where I think we, we hung out for a sec without knowing it. Yeah, we hung out for a minute, sat beside each other, watching an event. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't even know it.
1: So that's, so, you know, that's the road trip. And then I made my way back down. I got a bunch of friends in Nashville. So I hung out in Nashville for a little while, went back to Cookville, went to St. Louis, hung out with a couple of friends at first form, and then made our way to Florida. And then I've, I've been traveling still, but mainly flying around since then. But that was the road trip, man. It was a journey.
0: It That sounds like a journey. That sounds fun. Like, as you're telling me about it, I'm like, man, I should do something like that one day. And the cool thing, like, I mean – you hit a lot of the the kind of the the CrossFit hotbeds too, some of the the boxes that are notorious, you know, in the CrossFit world or infamous in the CrossFit world. Yeah, Invictus and Underdogs, like their training team and training think tank, like you said, Cookville.
1: That's, yeah, that's where a lot of the motivation for the Zaylos games came from. Is like, you know, um, when you look at successful professional CrossFitters. Um, Anyone at the, you know, any of the top 10, especially top three, you know, podium winners at the games each year, mm-hmm. they're doing pretty well. Um, yeah. Financially, they're they're pretty set as long as they're, they're smart with their money, but they're making good money. Yeah. Um, everyone outside of that top 10, top 20 in the world range uh, is making teacher money.
0: You know, I was going to say they're paying to participate.
1: Yeah, um, you know, unless they've hit it big on social media somehow and they've made yep. a really grand, great brand for themselves. And the reason why I bring that up is because from visiting all these different gyms and seeing like truly how hard these athletes work, like even outside of the top three, top ten, like these, you know, in the top 1,000, 2,000 in the world, like these are really, really talented, hardworking athletes that are training three, four, five hours a day, six, seven, eight hours a day, yeah. um, and coming out with a net loss from the year, Uh, by pursuing this hobby, hopefully to make it a career. And so I thought, um, you know, not, not that I'm going to necessarily change the world of CrossFit and give everybody an opportunity, but that we could, by creating an online opportunity, we could move the needle a little bit and create more earning potential for athletes and entertainment for fans. And so um, that's kind of, that's the mission of the Zalos games. And that was really uh, why it was birthed really from watching all these athletes, how hard they work. And I'm like, if there was an online competition, would you do it? And most of them were like, yeah, I would love that. That would be a really great way to test myself against athletes across the world, but also to potentially make money. And I was like, cool, I'll, I'll do that and see if it works. And here we are.
0: Yeah. Cause I mean, do you know how much money you guys were able to give away as a total prize purse for the 2021, I guess, season?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we, we had our first, I guess you could say season or first series of competitions in October of this year. It was a one-time Thing. so we've had one series so far it was 3 weeks four workouts um and we gave away we prized just over 70 grand in prize money um collective and then a little over 10 grand in like raffle prizes to yeah. other participants um it'll look a little different in the future but around 80 grand in just overall reward
0: that's awesome that's a lot of money coming back to the athletes and and being in the Space,
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, and like that's, that's the goal is to catalyze positive change. Uh, You know, whether it be to continue to grow the Zalos games into some big successful online competition that culminates into an in-person event maybe, or if it just motivates these other vendors and brands to just up the ante, like either is fine with me.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, what do they say? Rising tide raises all ships, all right? It's
1: rising the tide. Yeah.
0: There we go. So, I mean, if you're able to bring in that much and everybody else starts to recognize that and everybody else starts to get behind these online competitions, showing that they worked and that's a, that's a good thing for the athletes everywhere. And that's a good thing for the sport.
1: Yeah. And that's the hope.
0: I think one of the biggest things is like, there's so many online competitions. There's so many online, you know, events to take people's focus away. But you know, like, winner gets like 500 bucks maybe in a year giving away some serious money to the top top earners
1: yeah and that's like i wanted it to be something that um <clears throat> attracts some of the best in the world uh so recognizable names through the crossfit mm-hmm. games of course but also people that you may not recognize because they don't get to go to the games because it might cost 20 grand or something crazy um yeah. You know, so we we did. We had a really uh, diverse international leaderboard, um, mixed with people like Carrie Pierce and uh, Daniel Brandon, but also with Yuko. I don't know how to say her last name. uh, (laughs) Saka Yama. You know, sorry Yuko, if you're listening. But uh, and you know, eyes on something from Russia. And you know, like I don't know how to pronounce these names, but like these are people you don't see at the games because uh, either a maybe they didn't qualify of course but b it, just because it may not even especially with COVID and the travel restrictions and stuff like that it's like we created an equal opportunity uh which is why like one of the you know hashtags or whatever is it's anyone's game like literally if you've got a camera a phone and mm-hmm. your gym equipment like you can participate um and really showcase your your abilities and so it was fun and it, it was uh there are a lot of online competitions. I actually didn't know how many were there were until I began to build this out. And so I'm like it sucks because I don't really want them to go away. But yeah. If they're only giving away 500 bucks or you know a, some knee knee wraps or something for winning then it's like clear while they're not working that well you have to bring something to the table.
0: Yeah. And how were you able to to boost it up to in your first year be able to get that much prize money behind it and get that much um, enthusiasm behind the event. You had some big names promoting the event and, and participating in it.
1: Uh, well, a a, lo- a ton of branding experience just with my other businesses that I've, that I've owned and ran in the past. But, um, you know, I've helped like launch countless gyms and my experience and things like that. So I looked at launching this very similar, like you've got like a pre-grand opening, you've got a grand opening, you've got launch day, and we created a marketing web leading up to those things. Meaning like we've got influencers, ambassadors, athletes. We've got paid ads. We've got partnerships. We've got earned media. We've got paid media. So I just built out a business plan for the Zalos Games like it was any any other business that I'm going to launch. Um, leveraged existing partnerships. Shared my idea with people throughout my road trip after I, really, after I came up with the idea. It was something I was sharing with people and saying, hey, Justin, what do you think of this idea? Like, is it suck or do you think it would work? If it would yeah. work, could you get behind it? And same thing with the athletes, like talking to athletes, like, hey, what do you think of this idea? Does it suck or does it work? If it yes. works, will you promote it? You know, um, and so just getting a lot of uh, help along the way. But I think one of the most important things is I just ask for help, you know, like. Yeah. um I'm like, hey, do you like this idea? If not, why? If so, can you help me? And so it's kind of just like rinse and repeat with everybody in the industry. And um, obviously it goes without saying, you got to pay the piper, right? So a lot of paid media. Um, But as far as the prize money, I mean, obviously a portion of that came from registrations. Um, Mm -hmm. It was $20 per event. And there was technically three events to sign up, which we're going to do that a little differently in the future. But so a portion of the proceeds came from Registrations, uh, all of the raffles came from the sponsors, but the prize money was really, for the most part, uh, an upfront investment um, to to prove the model. So just a a risk like any other business.
0: Nice. And I mean, like you ran this like a business, and I think a lot of the time that doesn't get run like a business, you know. So they we see like a one off competition in the space, and it's like okay, they just did it because they wanted to have something that goes out quick, but it seems like you're running this like a legitimate business. And and like you said, like if you were to start a gym, here's how I would do it. Yeah. And you had that plan in place. So, and, and that showed when it came down to it, it showed in the media, it showed in the branding and, and you know, it, it kind of caught me off guard and it caught a bunch of people I knew off guard. And I was like, Oh, this is aw- like awesome to see. Yeah. Like, like real money is from. going out. Yeah. So, um, no, I mean, that's awesome. I, I love that you guys were able to do it. And when you, when you started the event, did you start it with like, I want to, you know, you want to give back to the CrossFit community, but how did you decide like, okay, I want it to attract like this level of competition or I want it to appeal to the whole world. Like how do you start a world scale event right off the bat? Was that easy? Yeah. Or was that?
1: No, it wasn't easy. Um, but conceptually, it wasn't super hard either. Uh, really, what I did is like with a business like this, I just looked at it like I want to create um, the the launch or the starting model. I want it to be like all th- what we call all things for all people.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: it's like when you talk like business strategy, you're casting a wide net. Yeah. Um, and the reason for that is because you know to make an illustration or a metaphor, when you cast a really wide net you get to see where the fish are biting. And so like, again, to paint a picture if the fish are biting over here, then you pull in the net and you just start fishing in that area. You know what I mean? Um, so we, we built the first series of the Zalus games to be a high paying opportunity for elite level athletes and then a fun opportunity to win prizes for whether you're scaled or intermediate level. Um, and so we tried to bring in the, Susie soccer moms and the john does and then we tried to bring in the you know the carrie pierces and the i don't know Dallin peppers and the, the yeah really 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 good
0: strong fast ones um
1: <laughs> that's a good so, way to
0: describe that the good strong fast ones i like that.
1: yeah um and so with that, obviously, we got to learn a lot. It's expensive to cast a, a wide net when you're trying to reward yeah. all people to and invite all people. And if you're running ads for all people, it's, it's not the traditional um, 1,000 fans rule in the world of entrepreneurship where you, like, dial in on your very specific niche and then you double down on that. Like, we wanted to start broad and, and narrow it in. And yeah. so what we did, like, you know, what we did learn, obviously, is that um, – Th- this is a model built for elite level athletes. So moving forward, kind of our we're catering to the elites moving forward, and we're going to try to continue to build entertainment for everybody else. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how we did it. Um, by just you know, when you originally build a business plan for anything, you're looking at what are my target demographics, and for me, it was a really broad uh, target demographic that we've narrowed down and continued to sort of um, change the business plan moving forward.
0: So what's, uh, what is 2022 look like for, for Zalos games and what's, you know, a, what's your timeline look like? And like, what's the approach for the, the next season?
1: You know, it was really helpful that um, CrossFit games uh, or CrossFit LLC, CrossFit HQ, whatever you want to call them, um, published the season next year far in advance, way earlier than they normally did or would yep. because that helps me structure a series of online competitions around it. Yeah. Um, because you know, we're, we're probably never going to get to a place where we're stealing attention from the season. Uh, I don't want to get to a place again. My motivation is like to move the needle on creating a better reward system for these athletes across the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that being said, we looked at the, the co- upcoming CrossFit season and it was sort of like, where do we fit in here? Um, I know that I want to host multiple online competitions throughout the year, but what makes the most sense? And so what we decided is that, you know, there's about six to eight weeks, I think, in between quarterfinals and semifinals. Um, There's about eight weeks in between semifinals and the games. And then after the games, of course, there's four or five months until the next open. So what we're planning on doing is uh, one, I think, May. I don't remember if it's early or late May, but it's Mm -hmm. smack dab in between quarterfinals and semifinals. Um, We're planning on doing one smack dab in between semis and the games. And then doing one in the off season, late September, early October, just like the original uh, series was. Yeah, a couple of big changes though. Um, we haven't announced this, but uh, top one thousand in the Open qualifies to compete and win money in the Zalo's games. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. So, like, they pre pre qualify essentially just by right. being in the Open.
1: Yep, and we, you know, the way I look at that is like you know, a thousand people seems like a lot. But if half a million people are doing the open, um, the top 1000 in the world are p- pretty neck and neck. Uh, yeah. you know, 999 is probably not going to beat Tia in a workout, but from 999 to like 101, like those people are all relatively similar in fitness.
2: Yeah.
0: Um,
1: so pretty competitive, you know? And, uh, so top 1000 qualifies to win these pretty significant cash prizes, um, and the way that I see the one in between quarterfinals and semifinals working is, yeah, probably if you qualified for semis, you you might not do this. Um, but that's 300 people that go to semis. And yeah. so we've got 700 left um, that, you know, you've got 700 people that thought they were going to make it to semis because they're so close. Yeah. Now they don't. So we get to fill that void, hopefully, for them. And these are still really great athletes.
0: Oh, um, fantastic athletes. And if you want to do,
1: if you if you want to do Zalos and semis, you're open to. We just don't expect everybody. That's like ramping yeah. up. You know, some coaches are like, "Hey, no, hold off," and that's fine too. And then same thing in between semis and the games. Like you've got 40 men, 40 women going. So chances yeah. are those people probably won't do Zalos, even though they could, they can, and maybe a few will. Yeah. Um, like the Carolyn Prevos of the world that like, will just jump into anything knowing Carolyn,
0: let's just say <laughs> Carolyn will, yeah, I'm going to shout out Carolyn. She's amazing, but she will compete in anything. The, yeah. You put like table tennis in front of her and she will go and compete in table tennis. Like doesn't matter. She will like run through a wall and compete in it. And she's, she's awesome.
1: know. Uh, so uh, she's a great example of that. So like, there's people like her um, that will probably do both. And we want to create an opportunity for them. And then same thing with the off-season, which we imagine a lot of people will probably do. Uh, so those, that's the goal right now is three online competitions. Instead of them being 21 days long, they're probably going to be like 10 to 12 days long. Okay. Probably similar workout format, like four four different workouts, um, but just in the over the term of like 10 to 12 days.
0: I think I kind of like that a little bit more. It's just like do your workouts, get them done. If you need to repeat, maybe you do it once, and then it's just like it's there. Yeah,
1: and this is – any of the changes we made are just from things we learned. Like uh, most of the athletes, even though they had seven days to do it, six to the seventh day, they were submitting their, their workouts in yeah. their time. So it was like five, just empty days. Yeah. Um, so we looked at it like, okay, we're probably gonna do four workouts uh, and we'll give them like three days to do each. So, you know, 12 days probably.
0: I like that. I like that format. and, when you uh when you run the event between the game, uh sorry the semis and the quarterfinals do you ha- or sorry the three different events let's just say do you have uh an idea of like a different kind of almost skill set between the three or are you trying to just you know it's just going to be like here's your five events like they're all kind of at a similar level or are you trying to increase kind of the skill capacity as it goes through the season
1: um you mean like the difficulty from the
0: programming wise yeah
1: um you know it, I hadn't thought of it being a progressive programming. I honestly haven't thought too much about the programming at all simply because uh I'm naturally am someone that gets the cart ahead of the horse and if it were up to me I'd have all the workouts written for like all of next year. Um but I'm going to program based on how quarter like how the open goes, how quarterfinals go because I don't want to if I program today even having some type of linear programming that's more difficult as it goes. Um, if there's the same workout in the open or the same in quarterfinals and I've already created mine, it'd be like uh, no originality. So I have to just wait you know, and see how those yeah. go okay. and like what what Castro pulls out of a hat for those yeah. um, and then try to create something outside of that uh, but equally challenging. But it probably won't. I think to answer your question, though, like the, the quarter semis one won't be any – Easier or harder necessarily than the postseason games, one you know what I mean? They're all going to be difficult, um, infinitely scalable for just everyday people to try and have fun with, mm-hmm. uh, but still like something for the elites to showcase, if okay. that makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, right on. I like that. I like that that you're waiting to kind of like sit back and see like the first events. Yeah. I mean, it's not that far away, but it's, it's far enough away that you can still wait yeah. and see. Um, and around that you guys are putting out some g- great media with regards to the Zalos games and, and pumping up the athletes in the space. Um, you guys just launched your athlete stories podcast like two weeks ago now, like pretty recently. Yeah. So you've had no on there. You've had Ar- Ariel Lowen on there. Um, what was the story or what was the goal behind the athlete stories podcast?
1: Yeah. Uh, kind of the similar, like parallel motivation of just starting the Zalos games. And it's, uh, originally because, you know, just from traveling as much as I have and meeting, um, all these people and getting to know some of them, I would say pretty well, like getting to know them better than their fans probably know them, you know, um, and hearing stories and being like that's a good story you should share that with the world you know mm-hmm. uh, i bet your fans would like that and just i don't know i thought of athlete stories a couple months ago and i was like i don't know again it's like one of my ideas i come up with all sorts of ideas and so it you know if something hits me three times like in my mind then i'm like okay well, maybe i'll share it with somebody yeah so i began to share like hey what if i launched a podcast you know athlete focused podcast where we don't just talk about their recent competitions but we talk about their upbringing and I don't know, stuff that their fans would probably want to know about them, interesting quirks and stories and stuff like that. And at the very least I'm interested. So it's a fun conversation for me, but (laughs) I figured if, if their fans care, uh, then this would be a successful show. And if not, it would have been an hour long conversation between me and an athlete that I, I already enjoy talking to. So, um, that's where athlete stories came from. And then, you know, I just shared it with some and thought, Hey, is it, you know, is this interesting? And then enough people were like, yeah, I'd love that. So I'm like, all right, cool. I'll do it. Um, Again, I built a small plan. I didn't really need to build like a full suite business plan on this one, but just, uh, you know, what's the cost of me show- doing this and mm-hmm. how often will I do it and, and who do I want to have on and who's going to help me produce it? Shout out to Alex Sroka, yeah. uh, Shots by Sroka. Um, I don't know if that's how you say his last name actually, so hopefully that's right, but surprising I, I never so. actually asked him that. But uh <laughs> yeah, he's helping me produce the show and, you know, shout out to Noah for being my first episode. Shout out to Ariel for being my second. Um, I wanted to sort of lean in on some of the existing relationships that I do have. Like I I know them. yeah. Um, And so it's easier to like jump into some conversations with them than maybe bringing on uh, somebody I'd never met before for the first episode, you know? Yeah,
0: Um, that'd be a little tough.
1: Yeah. Like for me, you know, I have a, I had a podcast for years, the business and leadership podcast. So I'm used to interviewing strangers um, but I wanted it to be, uh, more of a fun hangout conversation. And so that's why I liked having Noah as the first one. Him and I, I would say are friends, um, I've spent more time with him than probably any of the athletes that I'll bring on, uh, for the foreseeable future, I think. So it was easy to jump in with him. We've got the Dukic brothers tomorrow, which I'm really excited
0: about. <laughs> <laughs> that I think would be a funny podcast. Yeah. Or Jukic. I think it's Jukic, but, Ju- um, Dukic. Yeah. I- so.
1: Uh yeah, it was and I battled with the idea like because I wanted them to have their own air time. Um I'm yeah. sure they're kind of tired of being grouped together. But I thought for a life story, it'd be fun to bring the brothers on, you know, like
0: you'll get a completely different angle, I think. And I think this goes with any brothers, right? If you had a, a yeah. you know, if my brother was sitting here, you're gonna get way better stories. The fact that he's there to kind of corroborate or to, to be like, That's not how that happened. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, so I'm excited about it. I've had fun with it. Um I love genuine conversations with people and so yeah. these are for me these are just that like getting to dig into the to the minds and the lives of some of the highest performers physically that we know. So,
0: yeah. I think that's why I love podcasts so much. Like I, all I listen to is podcasts. Because you get that genuine, I mean, for the most part, it feels very genuine depending on who you listen to. Like I think Rogan is Rogan is a goat for a reason. Rogan gets the most genuine conversation outside the box thinking, but it's like, you know, three hour conversation. Like you can't just promote some one thing for three hours.
1: Yeah. You're going down like multiple rabbit holes. You're, I mean, they're in many cases they're getting drunk or high. So they're (laughs) just like, they're hanging out, you know? Um, and I, I enjoy that. I, I didn't want, you know, I think Rogan has enough clout to do three hours, same as like Tim Ferriss and stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I, for me, I was like, well, I could do that. But one, I have, you know, ADD or whatever, probably. <laughs> I don't know for sure. So I have a hard time doing something for that long anyways. But two, I was like, you know, I want it to be worth these athletes' time. So we, I think yeah. we capped ours at 90 minutes. But it's been about an hour and 15 each episode. And I think that's like, like a really good time. To not touch on any specific topic, but to go through and yeah, uh, you know without adding whisk whiskey or weed, it's a long time to talk to somebody for 90 minutes <laughs>
0: so, yeah, especially the athletes Like they're probably just itching to get back to training or get yeah right to, like, like, like normal uh, life right yeah who um so let let's just kind of type, type there. any athlete you could get on your podcast, who would you want that to be? It doesn't have to be in the CrossFit space. Who? Like, any athlete.
1: Oh, any athlete in the world? Yeah. That's easy. Uh, Tom Brady.
0: Tom Brady. Okay. Yeah. I mean. that's. Yeah. Now we're talking about, you know, goats. Even more.
1: Yeah, dude. I could literally nerd out on Tom Brady for the rest of this show. I think he's one of the greatest uh, leaders uh, in sport, if not the greatest leader in sport um, ever. So you don't last that long in sport without being a really high level leader.
0: Yeah. So especially in football.
1: Yeah. It's, you know, I mean like to rally cause it's ever changing, right? Like these teams change all the time, but the constant is, is Brady. And of course it was Belichick, but he's, he's proved that uh, he's good enough without him, I think. Um, But dude, to, to get people to rally around you for 20 plus years, and to win as many games, to complete as many passes, to make uh, Pro Bowl receivers out of so many people. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. The, the guy is just really great at leadership because, you know, in the NFL, you could argue that the worst team and the best team have equally talented players. Um College is different, right? Because people are still going through puberty and growing and and getting stronger. But NFL, man, once you get to the NFL, you're all the best in the world. Uh, But there's just something to be said about his ability year in and year out to get people to protect him, to study, to do their homework, to show up early, to leave late. Yeah. I I friggin love Tom Brady. I think he's an incredible leader.
0: I actually got into this conversation, but – Similarly, with about LeBron James, the other day, and in a very similar fashion, like he, you know, basketball is a different sport. Basketball is a sport where LeBron James can just kind of pick up, grab the ball, and take over, especially in his prime. Football, Tom Brady's not rushing every touchdown.
1: You can't control the outcome. You got to trust your people.
0: Yeah, and I mean basketball, you can't either. But there's, it's way more individual driven.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean you can't control everything in basketball, but you can say hey, yeah. screw you guys. If you're not if you're going to play hungover or if you're going to do whatever you want, if you're not going to pass the ball, like I'm going to take the ball, I'm going to drive down the court and I'm going to win yeah. this game for us. I mean, you saw Jordan do it multiple times. Yeah. Um football, like you said, Brady can't be like screw you guys. I'm going to RG3 it and just yeah. like run 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 run. No. Um he's He's just got to trust his people and they got to play the plays every single time.
0: And it's amazing that he's, you know, as old as he is, he's been in the league as long as he has been and he's not slowing down, at least not much.
1: No, I wouldn't, if anything, he's, he's getting faster. I mean, he's ran the ball more times, like the past couple of years that he did in like 10 years. So he's playing a little bit more aggressively in some ways. Um, I would say, but uh no dude, I like I said I could talk about this guy forever because I just think um leadership is hard and yeah. uh to be in the spotlight is hard. Like I've I have like one like micro uh portion of the spotlight that Brady has, right? And it's tough to like yeah. not make mistakes year in and year out publicly and so like for him to go this long without extreme drama or fallout or uh getting in trouble for not paying his taxes right like there's so many things you can oh, do when you're in the so spotlight many things. yeah um and he's managed to he's managed the spotlight extremely well uh and just, i just think it's it's something to be said about 20 plus years in the spotlight is the greatest of all time um and to still be doing it and nobody you know nobody is objecting that he's the go it's makes me think of Rich Ronnie if we're going to go back to the crossfit conversation because anybody that trains with that guy will tell you yeah. that he's the best. Um and that has that's something to be said about his his talent and work ethic if everyone around you like a bunch of other games athletes are saying like no Rich is the
0: best, then that's kind of the same same thing. Uh, and I mean that's like Rich kind of defined the sport in the way that people train and People go about their business now. He kind of set the, he kind of created the model for it, I guess, in a little bit of a way.
1: Yeah, like three a days, and like yeah, um, eat, train, eat, train, forget to eat, train some more, then maybe yeah. eat after
0: that. I mean, I've never had the pleasure of of being in that environment with Rich, but it's you know from afar, like everything that they've done with the Mayhem Company the gym, the company, the program, like there's so many streams and they're giving a lot of opportunities for their athletes to be, to grow as athletes and in the space and make a living in the space. And that's, you know, you, you gotta just commend them for that. Like to be able to make a living in this, it's still a very young sport yeah and not have to worry. It's amazing. And, you know, I commend you for that too, is like you're giving more opportunities for people to be able to grow this sport. So, Hey, what you guys have done and what you guys are are going to be continuing to do, I'm excited for.
1: Thanks, man. Yeah. It's, it's been a lot of fun for me. I think whenever I sold my last company um, I promised myself, whatever I do next will be fun. Cause If I'm being honest, it it wasn't always fun uh, running a subscription-based nationwide healthy meal prep company. Um, The mission, I was driven by the mission of what we did. You know, we sold healthy food, which I think makes a great impact on the world. But um, it wasn't always fun being in food production. So I was like, you know, the next thing I do, uh, I want it to be fun. And where do I have the most fun? In the gym. And so the majority of what I do is going to be, uh, well, hopefully, God willing, um, circled around or centralized around the crossfit industry because i have so much fun in it
0: awesome awesome well thank you for joining us jared um before we go here where can everybody find you
1: uh i'm probably most active on instagram uh, my instagram handle is at jared axel i think it's on the screen right now uh that's the best place to find me i mean my email and stuff is on there if you, if you want to reach out for business purposes but
0: uh instagram for sure all right and then you got the Zalos games at Zalos games
1: yeah. At Zalos games, um, uh, Uh, either one of those works great. And you can, we're on YouTube, uh, the athlete stories podcast is anywhere
0: you can find podcasts. Awesome. Jared, thanks so much for joining us guys. This has been the difference makers. Good luck training. And, uh, we'll talk soon with the Wadproof pro experience. You'll get instant access to training programs from some of the best coaches on the planet from full training programs in the gym and at home to movement-specific programs for weightlifting, gymnastics, engine, endurance, rowing, and more. We have a program that is designed for your needs, whether you are a beginner or a pro.
2: Every training session introduces a series of questions. Am I happy with my performance? Where could I have gone faster? When will I be ready to go again? For wadproof Pro athletes, also this question. What can I learn from that workout? With a Wattproof Pro subscription, you gain access to a complete training toolbox, from a full-featured exercise log, to side-by-side comparisons, to the ability to record your heart rate right alongside your rounds and reps. You have at your fingertips everything you need to learn, to make progress, and to go into tomorrow's training more prepared than today's. The best athletes are the best students. And with your Wadproof Pro subscription, you will have in your pocket the education you need to elevate your training and uncover the many lessons that every single workout offers you. Subscribe today so you can get better tomorrow.